0: Okay, praise the Lord. Let me let me ask. Uh, does everybody have an outline? Raise your hand if you need an outline. We've got a stack of them here. If anybody needs one, it looks like everybody's taken care of. Okay. Well, welcome to our second Thursday night ministry meeting for this semester. And uh, my name is Paul. I've been here at UT for 30 years. All right. <laughs> I started out as a grad student here and then uh, taught here a little bit and then shifted into serving full time uh, with the campus ministry and I'm glad to be here tonight. We have been uh, spending a little time in the Gospel of John here, here at the beginning of this new semester and um, if you were here last week, how many were here last Thursday? Let's see, okay so there's some who were not here last Thursday. Uh, Last Thursday and last uh, Sunday, we spent some time in John, and if you remember, um, last week when Chris was sharing, he mentioned that in the beginning of John and the first number of chapters, the Lord is there doing some miraculous things, some miraculous things. But in chapter 2, John establishes that these are not just miracles but actually they are signs they are pointing to something with significance so in the chapter that we're going to get into tonight yes the Lord does heal a person but we have to realize there's something significant behind this healing and behind everything related to this whole scene Um, in John chapter 3 we shared uh, two Sundays ago um, that man needs to receive life, even the highest moral man, Nicodemus. He was moral, he was upright, uh, he was a ruler of the Jews, he was respected by all the people, even he was humble, all these things, but the Lord told him, you need a new life. You need to be born anew. And then the next chapter we have a lower class kind of person, chapter 4. Came out this past Sunday. And here you had a woman who had five husbands, and she was living with another one who was not her husband. Yeah. And uh, she needed something, right? Yeah. You, for those who were there, do you remember what she needed, Tim? She needed to take a drink. She was thirsty, yeah, right? What was indicated by that whole scene is that man is just thirsty. Yeah. And he tries to drink of this well and tries to drink of that water to satisfy his thirst. In her case, it was husbands, but actually those husbands signify something. They signify the things that we go after to satisfy our thirst. And what we discover is that those things don't really satisfy. They might satisfy temporarily for a short period of time, but eventually the satisfaction runs out. And we have to try to find another well, another husband, another thing to try to satisfy our thirst. And eventually in that story, we see Jesus satisfies with the real living water that if you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again, Alex. Praise the Lord. And then in John 6, we saw, uh, I like the short title that we had for that message. Jesus is blank. Fill in the blank. Jesus is food, and, uh, and we saw that the Lord Jesus himself is the living bread that came down out of heaven to give life to the world, and we can feed on him and get the life that's really life. Yeah. Praise the Lord. So tonight, we're going to spend a little time in chapter 5. Uh, <clears throat> you know, some might ask, why are we going from 4 to 6 to 5 to 3 of a day? Why not just go in order? Well, I don't know. The Spirit spirit is like the wind. It blows, and you hear the sound of it. You don't know where it's coming from. But anyways, we felt tonight to get into chapter 5. So let's all take a look at the outline here. The title at the top, let's read it all together. Go. Law-keeping versus life-giving. Law-keeping versus life-giving. Okay, now... In this, um, what I did with this chapter, I like the way Chris did it last week, is he broke it up into little chunks, and this will help me stay on topic because I tend to forget what my next point is, and oftentimes I miss the main point. So anyways, I just wanted to to break it up in little chunks like here. Let's start with this first chunk, two two verses, actually one and a half verses, verse one and uh, part of verse nine. Let's read it together. After these things, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now it was the Sabbath on that day. Okay, this couple of verses gives us a little background, a little picture into the situation that was going on. There was a a feast of the Jews. Um, It was in Jerusalem. It was also the Sabbath day. Now a feast is a joyous time. Wouldn't you say, E.J., that if you were at a feast, you would just be joyful, right? And uh, Jerusalem, who, who knows what Jerusalem means? The actual word Jerusalem, what does that mean? Jerusalem. Oh, there's a, there's a brother here named Shalom, right? <laughs> there's a sister named Jerusalem. Jerusalem. What, Jerusalem, what does your name mean? City of peace or foundation of peace. When you went to Jerusalem, you should find peace there. You should be at peace. This is not only a peaceful place, it's the dwelling place of the kings of the Jews. Their palace was there. It was was a royal place, an honorable place. It was also the place where the temple was, the house of God, God's dwelling place. So to be there in Jerusalem... Uh, The dwelling place of God, the capital city, a feast was happening. It should have been a joyful scene, Um, a peaceful scene. And even the fact that it was on the Sabbath. Sabbath, the Sabbath day refers to a day of rest. People should have been at rest. But now let's read what Jesus found. What did he find when he went up to Jerusalem? Let's read these next three verses. Go. Go. What a contradiction. He was going up to Jerusalem, the foundation of peace, a royal place, the place of the house of God on the Sabbath day, a day of rest, during a feast, a time of rejoicing. But Jesus finds a multitude of people who are sick, uh, blind, lame, withered, just waiting, waiting for something to happen. And um, so this is quite a contradiction. And the question is, why is there such a contradiction here? You know, in Jerusalem and in, uh, you know, with the people there, these were Jews. And at that time on the earth, Judaism surely was the top religion on the earth. Uh, You just consider, uh, they had, um, I mean, first of all, it was formed by things spoken by God. God. They took those things and formed this religion, and um, also this religion, it worships the one true God in the correct way. No other religion could compare with Judaism. It had so many high things. You consider the law, the law of Moses, even today our government is, is based somewhat on the law of Moses. So high, but listen, even in this place, at this time, with such high and refined things, and even the top religion, worshipping the true God in the correct way, all this religion, with its law, it could do nothing for these people. And we'll see in a moment, there was a man who had been laying there for 38 years, just waiting. You know, praise the Lord, with religion, there was a way for people to get healed. Uh, as As you read, they were waiting for an angel to come down and stir up the water. And the first one to get into the water could get healed. So there was a way, but they couldn't attain to that way. They couldn't work it out. You know, with the law, um, fallen man cannot keep the law of God. Maybe that comes as a shock to you. I've been on this campus for 30 years. I've been speaking to people about the Lord and sharing the gospel. Sometimes I'll approach people and tell them I'd like to share about the Lord Jesus with you. And their response might be something like this. Oh, I'm good. I, I keep the Ten Commandments really (laughs) well even the Apostle Paul of all the people in the Bible surely the Apostle Paul uh, who authored uh, more than half the New Testament surely he kept the law right well you read Romans 7 and you'll discover that in trying to keep the law he found himself to be a wretched man he couldn't do it because the law of God makes demands on man according to God's standard of righteousness. He doesn't lower the standard and say, oh, I understand, Stephen, that you're fallen, you're a sinner, you can't you know, reach where I am, uh, so I'll just lower the bar. You know, I want you to jump 200 feet, but I know you can't do that, so I'll lower the bar to two feet. Just jump two feet. No, God doesn't lower the bar. He makes demands on man according to his standard of righteousness, and he does not lower the bar. So no man, no fallen sinful man can keep the law of God. So we could say, yes, there's a way to get healed, but no one can attain to it. The problem, actually the problem is not with the law. It's not with the law of religion. Uh, The problem is with us. Let me read this verse. You can write this down. Romans 8, 3. It says that it's impossible to keep the law because the law is weak through the flesh. The flesh of man is constituted with the sin nature and and is weak. And that's what we're going to see in this next section of verses is a weak man. Let's take a look at these verses. In verse 5... It says, and a certain man was there. And I, I bolded this, I underlined it, because I want you to be impressed that this certain man is all of us. It's, it, he represents all of us. We are this certain man. And he was there. He had been 38 years in his sickness. When Jesus saw this one lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition... He said to him, Do you want to get well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your mat and walk. And immediately the man became well and took up his mat and walked. Now it was the Sabbath on that day. Okay, this man represents all of us, and I want to impress you that, that this man was weak, weak, and weakness is due to sin. He was sick. Sickness is due to sin, and the ultimate weakness is death. If you take weakness out to its ultimate conclusion, it's death. And how do we know all this? It's because it's right here in the Word. I put the next couple of verses here from later in John 5, in verse 14, it says, After these things Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, Behold, you have become well, sin no more, so that nothing, nothing worse happens to you. This shows that his sickness was due to sin. His sickness was due to sin. Otherwise, why, why would he have said sin no more so that nothing else, nothing worse happens to you? And then verse 25, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and it is now when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Actually, this man was really just dead. He was a dead man just laying there 38 years. There was a way to be healed in religion with law-keeping and so forth, but he could not do it. And furthermore, no one there could help him. No one there could help him. You, <clears throat> you know, I said this man represents all of us. You might think, well, come on, Paul, I'm not weak. I got up this morning, ran three miles with the bros. <laughs> yeah, they call me... a <laughs> They call me at 11 o'clock at night. Let's go play basketball. Sure, jump out of bed, run over to the gym. We'll play basketball till two in the morning and then we hang out over at Kirby Lane Cafe for a couple more hours. I'm not weak, physically. What about in my mind? Intellectually strong, right? How'd you get into UT if you weren't strong? Intellectually. But listen, we're not talking about weak in that kind of way. We're talking about weak in the things toward God. Weak in the things toward God. Okay, here we are. We are human beings made in the image and likeness of God to contain God, and if you have received Him, you are a Christian. You are a Christ man. You have, you're a human being with Christ in you. That makes you a Christian. If you've received Him, that's what has happened. Well. <clears throat> In the New Testament, there's a lot of imperatives for Christ men. You need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this. You know there's there's actually a verse in Matthew 5, it's the last verse, it says you shall be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. How are you going to do that? Can you be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect? You know, as Christians, we know we should, uh, we should preach the gospel, but we're, we're all just weak. Just consider your schedule this week. You know, how many hours are there in a week? Did any of us spend uh, a couple hours this week preaching the gospel? How about even 30 minutes? You know, I, I'm speaking to myself as well. I was at Walmart the other night with my wife. We had to Purchase something, and we're in the aisle where the pots and pans are, and uh, she wanted to get a new pot, and this man walks up, this older man, <clears throat> and he says, hey, can you help me here? I, I just got divorced after 30, 34 years of marriage, and I have to learn how to cook for myself now. What kind of pots do you recommend? He's asking my wife. And I'm, and she's explaining, and I'm thinking, you know, I should share something with this guy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I even have a gospel tract in my pocket right here. But anyways, the thing happened so fast, and, and, and then we walked away, and, I was, and the opportunity was gone, and I just felt, I'm just weak, just weak. I know what I should do, but I didn't have the strength to do it. How about prayer? How about our prayer life? You know, Christians should pray, right? We need to contact the Lord and pray. Exercise our spirit to release His burdens and pray. Well how about our prayer life, you know? We have so much time for all kinds of things, but do we have time to pray? How about Bible reading? I I have this app on my phone where I get texted to me every morning the the Bible reading schedule with the verses for that day. And uh, (laughs) in addition to getting those verses, there's also a little in parentheses that tells you how long it takes you to read this. Three minutes or two minutes. And I was thinking the other day, my goodness, if that's all I read, three minutes of the Bible per day, I'm just weak. Sometimes, you know, I can, I'm saying me, we, we are this certain man. We can be on the internet, surfing the internet, reading all kinds of web pages, watching all kinds of YouTubes for hours, but we sit down in our chair to open our Bible, and after five minutes, our eyelids get heavy, and we start falling asleep. We're just weak, weak in the things toward God because of sin. See, I want to impress you. Sin is dwelling in all of us. And that causes us to be sick and weak and powerless. Um, But, praise the Lord, Jesus came. (laughs) Jesus came! Hallelujah! We need Jesus! (laughs) You know, and, and you can write this verse down, Romans 5, 6. It says, for while we were yet weak, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Praise the Lord. Christ came. He came. He died for the ungodly while we were yet weak. He didn't wait for us to get strong. He didn't wait for us to turn over a new leaf to uh, straighten up our act. Even while we were yet weak, in due time, He died for the ungodly. And you know what? When he died, he released his resurrection life. And that life of God that was released in resurrection, it's embodied today in his word. Um, So here in this next section, um, we see the means of the Lord's salvation. Remember, religion could do nothing for this man. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been there for 38 years. It could do nothing for him, except make demands that were impossible. But Jesus came and, you know, he asked this guy a question. Right? We read it. He said, do you want to get well? A simple yes or no answer. But this man was so fixated on his weakness, And on his inability to do what he he knew he needed to do, but he couldn't do it. And no one would help him. He was just fixated on that, that he didn't even pay attention to the Lord's question. He responded in a way that did not answer the question. It's a yes or no question. Do you want to get well? Let's all read these next few verses, starting with verse 8. Go. Go. Rise, take up your mat, and walk. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming, and it is now, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. You see three times here, Jesus said, he spoke, rise, take up your mat and walk. Uh, in verse 24, he who hears my word and believes has eternal life. You know, we're just dead. Remember, sin causes sickness and weakness in the End result is just death. We're just dead. Yeah. We need life. He who hears my word and believes yeah. has eternal life. Right. We don't need more human life. We have the human life. We need more of God's life. Yeah. That's the eternal life yeah. that enlivens us, that empowers us yes. to take up our mat and walk. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Right. Yeah. And then, uh And then in verse 25. Hear the voice of the Son of God. Right. Hear the voice. You know, I, I would say this, uh, the Lord's salvation here was completely unexpected by this man. He was not expecting it. He was just fixed on that pool of water trying to figure out how am I going to do this? I can't do this. I've been here 38 years. No one will help me. It was totally unexpected. The Lord, you know, He didn't, He wasn't, the Lord was not waiting for this man to seek him out and seek out help and salvation. The Lord uh, (laughs) Lord went to him, sought him out, laying by the pool, and just spoke a life giving word. And, um, anyways, my point here is that there's no requirement with Christ, no requirement. You know, religion with its law-keeping makes requirements on man, but Christ makes no requirement. The only requirement you could say really is simply hear his living word. Hear his living word. You know, this is the real contrast in this case, is the contrast between religion with its requirements and Christ with his life-giving word. Life-giving word. And so, um, for us, you know, the application is we need to be positioning ourselves to hear the voice of the Son of God. You know, maybe I can't um, open up my Bible and read for more than three minutes. Um, But maybe that day that I can't do that, someone else, if I would just position myself, enjoyed something from the Word and spoke, And I get the voice of the Son of God. We come to meetings like this. Something of the word is being spoken. And that does what? It imparts life into us. It enlivens us. It empowers us. Position yourself. Surround yourself with people that are pursuing the Lord, who are in the word, who are speaking the word, and we will be a people of life. Well, the end result here is peace, joy, rest. That's what should have been there in the first place, right? And remember, this is a sign. It's a sign. We may, not, we may have a physical infirmity. Uh, the Lord may not heal us physically, but He's going to heal us spiritually, right? He's going to enliven our spirit. He's going to spread out into our soul if we will stay within earshot of His living Word. Now, the last thing we want to mention here is that there's always some background noise opposing life, opposing life. In these verses, I, I won't read them all, but um, but listen, this man had been laying there for 38 years. No one could help him. And finally, the resurrected say, well, of course, he hadn't been crucified and resurrected yet at this point in time. But he's the eternal one, right? He's been slain from the foundation of the world. He is the resurrection and the life. This one came and spoke a living word. And now the religious ones are there saying, wait a minute, you can't get off your mat and carry your mat today. It's a Sabbath day. Get back on that mat. (laughs) Well, that's what happened. They wanted to know. Right? They said to the one who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to take up your mat. But he answered and said, He who made me well, that one said, Take up your mat and walk. Who is that man? Tell us. We want to get him. (laughs) And, um, And eventually he found out that it was Jesus. And in verse 15, it says, The man went away and told the Jews that Jesus was the one who made him well. And because of this, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he did these things on the Sabbath. You know, this is always, always the background noise to people that are enjoying Christ as life. You read the scriptures, you read the gospels, This is the way it was with the Lord Jesus. You read the epistles, that's the way it was with the disciples and all the followers uh, of the the disciples and their teachings and so forth. As they received Christ, as they were enlivened by this life-giving word, the persecution came. The background noise was there. The criticism was there. Law-keeping makes people critical. Why? Celio, let's say you're keeping the law. You're able to do something. And then you look at me, and you're just thinking, man, that Paul, he's so weak. He can't even preach the gospel at Walmart. What's wrong with him? See? Just criticize. Critical. It's real easy for law law keepers... (laughs) to sit on the back row and pontificate and criticize and so forth. Right. It's just the background noise to the ones who are positioning themselves to enjoy the life-giving Word of God Amen. and who are being made alive. Amen. And um, <clears throat> praise the Lord. We're, you know, we're not there yet. We're, we have, we're in the process of being transformed. Mm-hmm. The life of God is being dispensed into us day by day, week by week as we spend time in the Word and with the other uh, Christians and the fellowship, and we're just hearing the Word of God, and a little more life today, a little more life tomorrow, next week more life. And over time, you just have an accumulation of the Lord's life in your being. And you're being resurrected out of death. You're being transferred out of death into life. (laughs) So don't be surprised if there's some background noise there right? Frustrating, criticizing, because that's, that's what happens. Um, we don't want to be law keepers, but we want to be life enjoyers, right? Well, what was the title again? Uh, <clears throat> law keeping versus life giving. We want to be in an atmosphere of life giving, life giving and en- enjoying the word of God. And praise the Lord on this campus. You know, like I said, I've been here for 30 years. And there's all kinds of Bible studies and ministry meetings and conferences and retreats and uh, small groups and prayer times and times in the homes and the evenings. I mean, you can just take advantage of all this and position yourself to hear the voice of the Son of God. I told somebody uh, recently that, um, okay, my own son, he... uh, I just moved him out to California for grad school, and my main burden was to help him get connected with the Christians out there that we know. We have sister clubs all over the United States, and that, praise the Lord, there's one on that campus. And uh, because I realized it may very well be the voice of the Son of God coming from one of the brothers there that brings in some light, brings in some life, helps him go on a little more, right? We need to be concerned for one another this way, for one another, and help one another, amen. Well, how about now, Um, I'd like to pray, maybe we could just bow our heads and I'll say a prayer, and and you all could just repeat this prayer, make it your own prayer, and we'll just uh, end this way with some prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your life-giving word. Thank you for your life-giving word. Thank you. You came to give life. Thank you. You came to give life. Not to make demands, Not to make demands. but to supply us with the very life of God. Fill us more and more, Fill us more, and more. Week, by week. week by week, with the life that's really life. Lord Jesus, we want to grow. We want to receive more of your life life. until we're a people of life. life. Oh, Oh, Lord Jesus. Amen.